last week we started talking about the cleft of the rock. And, and as you read the scripture, um, God started speaking and said, this is a process. This is, this is how things should be. And so Exodus 33, we're going to go back there. And I'm just going to share that one scripture for you. But it, the whole chapter is great. If you read it, you'll see the love of God for a people who had sinned. And I don't know about you, but I am not perfection. And I need that grace and that mercy every day. Every day. So Exodus 33, 21. The scripture reads. Can I get an amen when you're there? <laughs> I don't want to get ahead of you. And the Lord said, behold. That means, hey, pay attention to this. Stop. Give me your ear. Give me your mind. See what I'm doing. I'm doing something. Watch this. He says, behold, there is a place by me. That is a call to draw near. We talked about that last week. That is a call for intimacy with the creator. Your God. If you're a child of God. The one that made everything that we don't see and everything that we do see. He made it from nothing. He stepped out in darkness at the edge. And for five days he spoke, let there be. Let there be light. Let there be this. Let there be day. Let there be not. He spoke it all out. He didn't. He didn't raise a finger until it come to you. And then he says, let us make man in our image. We knowing that the Trinity was there, our image, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's when he rose his hand up. And he made something from the dust of the ground in our, in our image. That means he took time. He did it in love. He, did, he poured himself into this man that he made. Yet we look at ourselves and we think we're so much less, not worthy. But do you realize the creator of you who breathed his breath into your body and is doing it every single day, giving you that life, says, come near me, draw near me. There's a place by me. That means you are wanted, you are needed, you are desired, you have purpose. There's something there for you. He has many children. But he's calling, come, there's a place by me. I don't know about you, but that makes me feel worthy of something. And if I listen to the world, I see so much that I'm not worthy. It don't take long to get up and hear those words in your ear, the enemy planting those flies, if you would, in your ears. Go to work, you find people that don't even care. You're not worthy not wanted some of us deal with those issues at home in our family lives but the God the creator says come near me there's a place by me come here so we talked about that last week I don't want to 
re, I don't want to reteach that, but it's a call for intimacy. So we've been talking about when you're in the cleft of the rock, you're between the rock and a hard place, that is the time to draw near to him. Sometimes you can't hear him. Sometimes you can't see him moving in the situations. Sometimes you feel all alone between a rock and a hard place. These are what the things that you need to do. These are not anything new. We should be doing this every day. We should be drawing near to him every day. We should get up and get ourselves prepared for the day. There's a reason why you have the helmet of salvation. You're supposed to be thinking on these things, remembering these things, communing with him and all that he is. And that gets you prepared for the day. But I want to read the second part of that verse and thou shalt stand upon a rock. And thou shalt stand upon a rock. So he is calling you to come near him to a place that is sure. A place that is secure. A place that won't shift under your feet. It's solid. It's unmovable. It gives you support. Despite all that comes... It gives you strength, gives you durability, but yet we allow the enemy to come in and steal that rock from us, that sure sound foundation, that, that uh, confident hope that I have in Christ Jesus. He is the rock. All through the New Testament, Old Testament, you see God referred to as the rock. The psalmist would cry out to the rock of my salvation, Draw me near. Take me to the rock that is higher than I. We'll read that in a minute. David knew a little something about it, didn't he? Isaiah 28 and 16. King James Version says, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a sure, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation, he that believeth shall not make haste. He's referring to Jesus, the son. We call him the, the, court, the stone that the builder rejected, that the Jews rejected, his own people. He's the cornerstone. You can't build a building without a cornerstone. It lays, it lays the beginning. It's the beginning and sets the the whole pattern for the rest of the building. That's what Jesus is. But I want you to look at this. Let's kind of examine that a little bit. A tried stone means that through experience or testing, he was found good. He was found faithful. He was found trustworthy. He is a precious cornerstone. He is beloved. He is valuable. He is cherished. He's greatly loved. Precious. And then the last one is a sure foundation. It's true beyond any doubt. Able to be relied on and trusted unfailing. This is the rock that we stand on as the children of God. We are joint heirs with Christ Jesus because of what he did on Calvary. We have this foundation, 1 Corinthians 3 and 11, for no one can lay any foundation other than 
the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. And the most difficult times, the times that we struggle, this principle remains the same. It's a, it should be an everyday principle. Draw near to God. Stand on the firm foundation. We do that in our minds. We do that with our hearts. We do that when we speak life. When we, and I heard a preacher preaching and he talked about the three portals or three gates of humans, the eyes, the ears, and the mouth. What are you putting before your eyes? You should be putting the promises, his word, daily, seeking him, communing with him. What are you listening to? Well, the enemy sure likes for you to listen to him, doesn't he? He wants to tell you all kinds of stuff. But get in something good. Listen to the word. Listen to music that compliments and talks of the promises of God. That you are the loved one. What you listen to, what you looking at. And mouth, what are you speaking? Are you speaking death? There's life and death in the tongue. It's plain and simple. That's scripture. What are you talking about yourself? Are you talking death? We have this thing in my house. Benny will say something, and I'll look at him, and I said, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. And he laughs because he knows, you know, we've got to talk life. We don't talk death over anything. It's what I am. I'm a child of God. I have, I have come to give you life, and not just life, but life more abundantly. I claim that in my joy, in my peace, in my finances, in my happiness, in my children, in our relationship. You think it's easy living with that man for 34 years? No. <laughs> He'd say the same about me. <laughs> Yesterday, that man tore up one of my tomato plants. He just looked at me. He said, that's going to be in a sermon. I said, probably so. <laughs> I said, just go on. I don't even want to see you right now. <laughs> I just got to love you from way over here somewhere. <laughs> don't touch my plants. <laughs> Tomato plants, Lord have mercy. So important. Yes, ma'am. Yes. It is our nature. We are sin. So sin, what does sin bring? It brings death. Amen. I believe it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yes. So I, I just want you to tell you that wasn't in my notes. <laughs> That was just God, okay? But it's truth. It is truth. It is truth. Uh, you catch yourself, because we do that in the household, we catch ourselves more often than not, and we're like, okay, we need to rethink how we're speaking. And so when he hears me rebuke it in the name of Jesus, he's like, okay, you're right. <laughs> and, you know, he'll catch me sometimes. I'm not saying that I'm perfect, but... You've got to, it's good to have somebody that will do that with you because you do. You catch yourself, it's human nature just to speak negatively all the time. But those, these are the things that we need to do in the difficult times, but in everyday life we need to 
come stand by me, come draw near, a, a call to intimacy. He had three apostles that he had a very intimate relationship, and I'm not speaking sexual, but they were the inner circle, we'll call them. The rest of them, they were still his apostles, his disciples, but he had three that he always took a little further in the garden on the Mount of Transfiguration. There were three. I desire to be like that. I want to be the intimacy, the one he shows me these extra things to, you know, that he reveals. But anyway, so when we're in situations, we've got to remember who we are, what we're called for, and the authority that we have. But if you're not spending time drawing near and communing with him, the devil's got you already. He's already got you defeated. And then you can do the one and not stand on the rock, and there you are, you're stuck. There's a whole lot of Christians that come to church. They have one or the other, but they don't operate in both. And you're called to both. You have privilege of both as a child of God. We should always stand upon our foundation, the rock, Jesus, and follow his patterns, his ways, his example. He forged the way. He made the path. He did it perfectively for us in perfection. He, he went through humiliation. He went through suffering. He went through torment. He went through, he went through it all, all the way to the death on the cross. But he didn't stop there. He rose from the dead so that we could have that as well. Why would you not want to stand on that promise of not only good life here, but eternal life, eternal? Too many times, too many times, we shortchange ourselves. Matthew 16, verse 13 and 19. Jesus himself speaks about a rock, the rock. And this is a very preached, and, and it's got so much in it, so much in it. Um, read the whole chapter. And uh, verse 13, I think, is where we're going to start. When Jesus came into the coast of Syria, Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom? Do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Now, he didn't call himself the Son of God. He was very proud that he was also the Son of Man. Because of that, this man, this man, can walk this out, covered under his blood, in his promise. And he says, And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, and some Elisa, and some others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. Not Jesus, you Christ. You're the promised one. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood had not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, not meeting Peter, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth 
shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That's some serious authority there. Do you realize you even have that authority? To bind and to loose? You do through Jesus Christ. But the rock, he says, on that rock. What's that rock? That rock is faith. Hope. On Jesus. His revelation of who he was. So when you're in the cleft of the rock or between the rock and a hard place, are you standing on that rock? Are you taking that authority? Are you remembering who you are and what he gave you? All the promises are yes and amen. Sometimes they're in his own timing, which we lose faith on. But they're yes and amen. So don't look at the situation. I love that he said that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. One version says the power of hell cannot prevail against it. What authority we have. What authority we have. John 14 and 6 says, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. There's no other way. I don't care what religion is teaching you, what theology is teaching you in school or in the secular world. There is no other way. No other way. You can't go through Buddha. Mother Teresa can't save you. The priest can't save you. The pastor can't save you. He says, I ain't got no heaven or hell to put you in. And he is true. He's telling you the truth. I can only lead you back to the word. To Jesus. Jesus. We have salvation. We have strength. We have happiness. We have this rock that is higher than we are. That's safety. Shelter. It's a rock of ages, everlasting, eternal. It's the foundation of faith, hope, joy, love, peace. It's all there. Yes, ma'am. Well, that's what we're talking about, standing on that rock. Amen. That's true. That they have the right. Mm -hmm. But that ain't no different. You can look at me and say, oh, yeah, Sonia's a pretty happy person, but you all don't know the stuff I go through. Same thing for you. Same thing for you. I choose to walk this way. Do I have moments of sadness or depression? I'm not going to lie to you and tell you no. I do. You saw the struggle a couple of Saturdays ago. <laughs> It was apparent. It's a daily thing. And, and just because, you know, there's nobody special. Uh, you know, the gift, the fruit of the Spirit, it's all the same. Everybody has it. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, temperance, patience, kindness. It's all there. Self-control. It's all there. It's your choice. And again, that's what we're talking about. When you're between the rock and the hard place, what are you choosing to do? A lot of us are just sitting in there crying. I know how I was. I had something traumatic happen in my life. I knew it was coming. 
God told me it was going to happen. He told me a year before it happened. I even complained the night before that morning, why hasn't this happened? And when it happened, the way it happened, I cried for two days. <laughs> Can you talk about not knowing who you were? God even told me it was going to happen. I didn't know it was going to happen that way. It hurt my feelings that it happened the way it happened. <laughs> but I cried for two days. Acted like a silly, but a little silly girl. <laughs> Y'all don't know. <laughs> Pray for you, pastors. But let's go to Matthew 7. We do. We do. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yes, it is. You have to every day. Yes. Goes back to the two dogs. You know, there's two dogs. Which one are you going to feed? Which one wins? That's the one that's going to win, the good or the bad. It's whichever one you feed. That's right. You've got to make a choice to walk in the right thing. Matthew seven twenty four. Therefore, whoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which build his house upon a rock, and the rain descends. And the floods came, and the wind blew, and it even beat on the house. And it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. I don't know about you. Some of us get taken out when the rain comes. <laughs> Some of us jump off the rock because we get scared. Let's not even talk about the rest of this stuff, the flood, <laughs> the wind. All that's beaten on the house. The house is not protected from it happening. No weapon formed against me shall prosper, but it's going to form. Go ahead, sister. Yep. Yes. Yes. Yes, that's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. We do. It's still there. That's right. That's right. That's right. That is true. Standing on the rock. So let's go on. And it says, And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which build his house upon the sand. And he suffers the same fate to an extent. And the rain descends and the floods came and the wind blew and beat upon the house. It's all the same. But it falls. And great was its fall. Great was its fall. It doesn't take very much in your life to figure out where your foundation is does it Monday morning <laughs> it don't take heck leaving out of here 
<laughs> this afternoon, you'll find out where your foundation is real quick. But God says, there's a place by me where you can stand on a rock. It's an invitation to intimacy, to power, to strength, to that sure foundation of Jesus Christ. There's no other foundation laid but him. Anything else, and it's a lie. It's false doctrine. It's false teaching. You can't depend upon yourself. He doesn't say, uh, come over here and I'll, I'll, you know, I'll make you powerful. No, he says, stand on the rock because he knows in us. And I see it every day in us. I can do nothing. But through Christ Jesus, I can do all things, Paul says. Paul's writing those words in jail to a church. Far away. Philippians 4. Let's move over there. He's writing it to the Philippian church. We'll start at chapter, uh, verse 12. I know both how to be abased and I know how to be abound. Everywhere and in all things am I instructed both to be full and to be hungry both to be abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Doesn't say Paul's got the wisdom. Paul was a very intelligent man. He had all the knowledge. He was brought up under it and a highly respected uh, Gamaliel, I think was his name, of the day, teacher of the day. But he sees his own flawedness. I want to go on up to uh, verse 8 in that chapter. He's kind of giving you this little gold nugget. He says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Think on these things. It doesn't say think on your problems because you know that's going to fix it. No. The Bible says you can't even add a day to that <laughs> by worrying about it and thinking about it. And I'm good at that. <laughs> I'm the planner. Biddy's just like going by the seat of his pants. I'm like, oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. Day and night over here. <laughs> but that man, he has so much joy. I envy that. And I'm like, how can I have that? And God's trying to teach me, but it's. I'm sending him in the house because he broke my tomato plant. <laughs> he says, those things that which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. God of peace. Oh, my gosh. Do you see the connection between your thoughts and peace? Mm-mm-mm-mm. Big peace. Amen. Yes. I'm not looking at myself because, Lord, I've done seen how flawed I am. I've done seen where my decisions brought me, took me. I'd be dead. Second Samuel 22 and 47 ESV, it says, The Lord lives and blessed be my rock and exalted be my God, the rock of my salvation. These are God in the Old Testament. He's considered the rock. 
1 Samuel 2 and 2, there is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one um, besides you. There is no rock like our God. We'll go to Psalm 61. That's Thank you. Thank you very much. Psalm 61. This one's bright. I like this one. All right. I don't have to get too close to it. It says, Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. For the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covenant of thy wings. For thou, O God, hast heard my vow. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. Draw near. Come stand by me. There is a rock. Philippians 4 and 13 is the can-do attitude. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We're talking about the rock. Are you standing on the sure foundation? Do you put your all your faith in your job, in your money, in your health? your spouse, your friends, your families. I mean, like, come on. Those things can be gone in a second. Romans 8, let's do 37, and I'll close out. I'm almost done. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor heights nor depths nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I like the New King James Version of that. Last part, it says, nor heights, nor deaths, nor any other creature thing, created thing, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It says, he loves you. And through Christ Jesus, I have this foundation that no one can take away from me, save myself. It's your choice. No principalities, the gates of hell. No other created being, nor angel, it even says. Nothing can take you away. You're, you can't be at any height or any death that will separate you from him. Are you standing on the rock? 
Are you standing on that sure foundation? I love this verse about the cleft of the rock. When you're in distress every day, draw near to me. He says, come stand by me. There is a place by me. He saved a spot for you. And he says, and thou shalt stand upon a rock. He made it sure. Stand upon a rock. It's all about positioning. Then he says, I will put my hand before you and place you in the cleft of the rock as I pass by. And when I pass by, I'll pull my hand away and you'll see me, only my hind parts. Sometimes you're in the rock in the hard place and you can't see God working but know that his hand is always on you because you're standing by him you're on the rock the sure foundation and the only time you'll see him is after he's passed by and you'll go oh that was God thank you Jesus that was God I encourage you today position yourself properly if you're feeling you're behind in the rock and the hard place between the two, there's a place by me, and I will stand upon a rock.